puts a, a very limited perspective upon how we see what loving is. So God has given us a command that we are to love, and he gives us in our, in our Sunday school lesson, we talked about how that uh, the light of God's word is to shine upon our lives, and how that that light then is looking for something. And love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness, meekness, kindness, you know, long-suffering. You don't lie, you don't steal, you don't bear false witness, you don't immorality. You don't, you know. So we have all these things, and the light of Christ is looking for this. And it's interesting, you mentioned that uh, reading some of the books of Spurgeon and uh, some of the 1800s, how that it was very, very legalistic and and Christianity was, you do this or you're lost, you know? And you've got to live this way or you're no good. And they had a really good intent and there was, there was a lot of good that was brought out of that time period. And, you know, it might be for us, we're in the time period, we emphasize the grace and the mercy of God. And the grace is that God gives to us what we don't deserve, what we don't have, and mercy is he doesn't give us, reward us for what we've done wrong. <laughs> you know, his mercy endureth forever. I did something wrong, he zaps us with it, you don't know. So his grace and his mercy work hand in hand. And so if there's anything in our day, uh, maybe we're too, uh, I don't want to say too merciful, but we look at our life as it doesn't matter what we do, God will forgive us anyhow. So we have that extreme of doesn't matter what we do, God will forgive us. <clears throat> Going back to what the 1800s were, do this or you're out, you're dead, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll fix you. So, and, and that's kind of what happened in the time period in which Jesus uh, writes to us, or his life was about, he didn't write to us, but the disciples wrote about, that um, Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were very legalistic. They had all of their rules and their regulations, and they set them up, and if you didn't obey them, you know, they would punish you. They would push you out of the synagogue. They would keep you, you know, out of the congregation. So people had this, you're either in or you're out mentality, and that's kind of what happened in the, in the 1800s and early 1900s. And then now we're in this grace and mercy type thing where it doesn't matter what you do. You can live any life you want. You're still going to go to heaven, and, you know, that. Those, those both extremes kind of leave us in the, in the dark. So Jesus then, excuse me, John then in chapter 13, verse 34 says, a new commandment I give to you, love one another. And um, it's important that we see that what, what, what this love really takes on. Um, sometimes we feel it would be pretty good to live back in the time when Jesus was here. You know, if Jesus were here, I'd listen to him. Well, if we don't listen to the scripture today, we wouldn't listen to Jesus then. <laughs> because the Holy Spirit, is the, the Spirit of God is here. And the Spirit of God knows our hearts and knows our intentions and knows what's going on inside. And so the Spirit then brings the word to us. The brings the, there's got to be something more to life than just living. <laughs> we have to learn how to live, but live within the light of Jesus Christ and his and the word. But there's more to life than just existing and finishing and, you know, correct, collecting our trophies and having them in a pile and this is me and this is what I've gotten. And when you look at it at the end of life, what does it mean? The, the only thing that really lasts is 
what we've done for others. And the, the, the value of our life is seeing the value of who we are as a person. That God clings to us. <laughs> he wants to, you know, he wants to, he's, he, he's got a hold of us and we're saying, okay, God, you know, enough's enough. And this love stuff, you know, this, this being good stuff, you know, God, you know, take it easy. I don't want to be shoved aside by everybody else. <laughs> but you see, the love that God has for us is one that doesn't end, doesn't quit, it doesn't um, give up on us. Um, I like this as well. Jesus elsewhere teaches that his disciples must love all people even their enemies, here, he tells his followers they must love each other. <laughs> you know, and that's the, the second part of our love part two. Uh, that we've heard that if, uh, how many times are we supposed to forgive somebody? Seven times? Seventy. Yeah, seven times seventy. Basically that's saying indefinite. <laughs> You know, Peter says, well, I think maybe four, three, four, maybe seven, somewhere in there. But, you know, I'm really going overboard. Well, we understand that concept that we are to forgive because if, if somebody hurts us, all right, if someone hurts us and we don't let it go, that hurt continues to affect us for the rest of our life. So that person not only hurt us at that point in time, they continue to exert that pain upon our life forever <laughs> until we let it go. And we let it go by allowing God to help us to forgive them and turn them over to their own, to their own life and to their own hurt and to their own pain. You know, taking the high road that we forgive and, you know, don't get even and we, we, we ask God to help us see... We can't make this up. We can't um, do it on our own, you know. Like, I've decided to love my enemies. I've decided to forgive. <laughs> I've decided to make a million dollars. I've decided to, well, who, who's here? It's just the big I. But whenever we see how God is working at it, then God is helping me to forgive. You know, um, I use the illustration that um, uh, when I did a lot of counseling, uh, there, there, people have lots of pain in their past, and I always use the two, the two scales, okay? This is the scale of pain, and this is the scale of remembering, okay? So I remember, and I have great pain. So it's at the top of the scale. So the Bible says I'm supposed to forgive seven times... 70? So that's a whole bunch of times, okay? So every time I remember and every time I feel the pain, I am to forgive. What I'm doing is it doesn't wipe them out and you never remember it. It means that the pain scale goes down. How long does it take until the pain goes away? We forgive until the pain goes away. That may be a year. That may be a day. It may be 10 years. But it, how long does it take? And it's like we have to remind ourselves of that situation. There was a, there was a minister who, um, um, he hurt us. <laughs> very bad, he hurt me very badly. And, you know, I was, you know, uh, and, and it was intentional. 
And you know, I would, I would, uh, okay, God, you got to help me to forgive him, okay? We would go to these, you know, like youth meetings at the Hershey Arena, and there's 7,000 people, and this guy sits in front of us, <laughs> you know? I would go to clergy meetings, there's 500 clergy, and where does he sit? The same pew, three down. It's like God was saying, okay, David, do you forgive? <laughs> Have you forgiven yet? And it's like, God, you, why don't you just take care of him and get rid of him, <laughs> You know, get him out of my life <laughs> so I don't have to deal with this. And see, the idea is that God brings those things up in order for us. You know, I haven't seen, I, you know, after I really dealt with that in a way, you know, I continue to deal with it until the pain goes away. After I had done with that and really feel like I've gotten that out of my life, I haven't run into him. You know, I just haven't run into him. And so what, what God is saying then is that we not only have to love our enemies, but we have to love people in the pew on the other side of the church. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The people in the pew, that we have to learn to love each other. And learning to love each other is learning to allow our own failures not to take center stage. Okay? Our own failures. We can be so preoccupied with what God has forgotten we don't see what God is doing. You see, God has forgotten your sins that you keep remembering. You know, when you ask Christ to forgive you, he lets that sin go. It's gone. He'll never use it against us again. And so here we are remembering what God has forgotten and in that remembering, dictating what we're doing with our life and holding ourselves back and holding ourselves captive with something that God has forgiven. I know an individual, um, they have refused <laughs> to make applications because of an incident that happened in their life 25 years ago. Because being a Christian, they have to put that down on the, on the application and they feel that if they push that down on the application, they're not going to be hired and they're, dra they're dragging the past up and they have for 25 years or longer, been using that incident to prevent them from making applications to better jobs. <laughs> you see, when God forgives us, that sin, that problem, that difficulty is forgiven. And we have to let it go. We've paid, you know, Christ has paid the price for it. Christ has paid the penalty for it. So you see with the illustration of Tabby and Charlotte, Tabby and I always would say Chuck and Kira, and <laughs> I always call them, you know, but with the illustration with Tabby and Charlotte, that we would often, you know, at first glance, we would think, well, we're the child and, you know, the adult is, the, is God, but in reality... God is the one who is clinging to us. He doesn't want to let us go. That he doesn't want us to fail in our sin, in our mistakes. See, the, 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 the importance of forgiveness is that God loves us enough to forgive us. And that love that Christ has is the reason he died on the cross. His death on the cross he died so that we 
would not have to pay for our sins. He paid for them. So we deserved the punishment, but God paid for the punishment so that we could have forgiveness and that all of the good things that God wants to bless us with in our lives are kind of waiting there, are waiting there for us, and we have to let go of the failures long enough to see the good that is in front of us, and that's why I say that when we start our day, we should be thankful. Just begin by saying, thank you, God, for the day. Thank you for my life. Well, what about the bad things? Well, what about them? (laughs) They're there. Well, what about the good things? They are there also. So if we start thinking about the good and being thankful for the good, we're becoming dependent, not on failing, but upon surviving, upon getting better at growing, maturing. You know, uh, when you go to school, you, you take tests. Um, Jackson had his, uh, he's our grandson, and uh, he's in kindergarten, and He's reading, you know, and he gets out the book and he's going through his pages and just reading. It's like, this is a great new experience for him, you know, being able to get a book and read it and look at things and decipher some of the things in the newspaper, you know. Well, whenever we're beginning to decipher and understand um, the Scripture, the understanding that God and his love is never going to leave us. There's the scripture that says um, in Romans chapter 8, verse, it begins at verse 35, but I want to move down to verse 38. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? So as you think of Charlotte and uh, Tabby, think of it in the context, Jesus is saying, this is Jesus having a hold of you, Okay. And and this is Paul writing to the church at Rome. But he says, do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? So as you see that connection between God, between a daughter and mother, do you see the connection between God and you? And he is telling us that, do you think there is anything that can drive a wedge between us? You see, if you think there is, then you're pounding that wedge in. You know, say, okay, don't, don't hang on too tight. You know, I can't breathe here. <laughs> we are looking at things that we've done and failures that have been in our life or mistakes that we've willfully, intentionally done in our past, and we're trying to tear God's arms off by saying, yes, there is something that can drive a wedge between us. And God is saying, no, there isn't. God has a hold of us, and he's saying, there's nothing, living or dead, Let me go on here. There's no way, there's no trouble, there's no hard times, there's no hatred, there's no hunger, and there's not even homelessness or the bullying threats, not backstabbing, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in Scripture. Okay? Not even the worst sins listed in Scripture. Okay, that includes, that, that takes in all of us, you know, and, and, you know, beyond us. Not even the worst sins listed in Scripture are what? They're able to drive a wedge between God's love and us. Hmm. Yeah. 
Can we grasp that one? You know, can we, can we grasp that idea that God's forgiveness is so complete that nothing is going to be able to come between us? And that's God hanging on to us. There's this guy, he's uh, rock climbing or mountain climbing, and he falls over the cliff, and he's hanging on, you know, and he's by himself, and he's hanging on to this tree, and he's screaming for help, and uh, he hollers, is there anybody up there? Anybody help me? And there's this voice says, yes, I'm here. He goes, oh, thank you. Throw me a rope. He says, no, I, this is God. The ledge for your feet is only six inches away. Let go. <laughs> he's in the dark, you know, hanging onto this tree. And he's saying, well, let go. And he's he got his foot there. He can't reach it. Again, it's only, it's only six inches. Let go. And the guy says, is there anybody else up there? <laughs> so, <laughs> sometimes that's us, you know. Is there anybody else up there? Does anybody else have something better? <laughs> you know, they're a better option. How about door number two, okay? How about door number two? Door number one, I don't know. Door number two, anybody, you know, let's create another door. Well, God doesn't have another door. You know, his door is Jesus Christ, and, and, and his forgiveness is complete and that it is total, and that it begins a new life, and it begins a whole new relationship. So that our relationship with God is meant to be as if there were never a sin in our life. That in creation, God's intent was that everyone would walk with him and be friends with him and you know, that we do this friend with friend, stick it closer than a brother, and all of that, and we fell. <laughs> and, but God's intent was in forgiveness to do away with all of that failure, sin, those things that we consider defects in our soul, that, and, our, and, our, and he wants to do away with those so that he can reestablish that friendship. And if I am friends with God, then I, am, then I am loving as he loves me and loving as he loves others, that, you know what, I'm his favorite child. <laughs> I used to tell that to my mother. My brothers all told me that. You're mom's favorite. <laughs> my sister-in-law's always told me that. You know, your mother loves you more than anybody else. <laughs> and I said, you're right. But, uh, <laughs> you know, but um, the idea is that in our relationship with God, he loves each of us the same, and we are all his favorite child. That's not a cop-out. That's the truth. <laughs> that he, we are his favorite child. And when he looks at us, he sees what we can become. He sees what he created us to be. That is where we, that's where we come alive on the inside. That's where we come alive on the inside and it kind of stirs us inside that this isn't it. You know, I haven't reached the end yet and, and there's still good, there's still things that God has for me to do. And loving then is, is a way to loving and letting go, forgiving, loving our enemies. See, those who have purposely and willfully intentionally hurt us, forgiving them and letting them go, we are allowing ourselves to be free from hatred and bitterness and anger and resentful and getting even and we're, we're letting go of those things because they don't occupy our time 
and they don't occupy our efforts. So we forgive ourselves. Loving God is loving me as God loves me is allowing myself to be human with my mistakes and my failures and the shortcomings of my personality, and I don't have too many. And uh, <laughs> just ask Rhonda, I don't have very many at all. <laughs> She'll give you a list. <laughs> Uh, because I have uh, many shortcomings. But anyhow, the idea is that in all of those shortcomings, God still loves us. It's still part of us. Now, 1 John 4.11 says, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Okay, we got that down part, uh, that down pat. That we not only are to love our enemies, but that we are to love other Christians who, <laughs> who have different beliefs and different theologies and different concepts, you know, we're to love others. And then he says, then, then John here says in this verse, uh, verse 11 and 12, he says, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. The closest we have to a picture of God is each other. <laughs> The closest we have to a picture of God is the believer, the individual who loves God enough to let God forgive them, that we love God enough to receive of his love into our life and forgive others, that we love God enough to receive his love into our life to forgive ourselves. And that acceptance is an image of what Christ is. So when we look at one another, we know we got, he, God is not that deformed. <laughs> you know, we look at each other, you know. But, but we begin to see the characteristics. We've seen, we, we've seen the character of, of God in, in different ones. We each have different strengths of forgiveness and joy and patience and gentleness and kindness and, you know, serving and leading. We all have different aspects of it, but as we put the whole body together, as we put everyone together, we begin to see what the image of Christ is. And no one has the complete picture. You know, look at me, you have the complete picture of God. No, he's not bald and fat and wears glasses, you know. So, he, you know, he, that's not God. But there are characteristics that I have that are, that are, resemble what God is. But the same thing is for you. You have characteristics that resemble God. And as we allow God to work in our life and to take those dreams and those abilities and those skills that we have and, and, and develop them and touch them, anoint them, we find ourselves becoming that person that God wanted us to be. <laughs> And we have trials and we have tribulations. We have problems. And I, I always like, you know, I think of David and Goliath and uh, how that, you know, Goliath was this massive giant and David is this shepherd kid. You know, he's a 13-year-old, 14-year-old kid maybe. And uh, he is moved internally by this giant who insults his God. And, and, and David just, this can't happen. So something inside of David says, we have to take care of this. And so David, you know, everybody else tries to change him, put on the king's armor, that doesn't work, you know, uh, you know giving him battle plans, you know. David says, no, I got this. Just the sling and the stone, and God will give me directions as I go into this. 
And of course, he gets the stone, flings it, and hits Goliath right in the, probably right in the center of the forehead somewhere and knocks him cold. Then he uses Goliath's own sword to cut off his head. The point is this. Goliath took David from being a shepherd boy forgotten about watching sheep to being a national hero. Our difficulties always take us somewhere. Every time we deal with our difficulties correctly, they're taking us somewhere else. So that is why we want the light of Christ to shine upon our character, to shine upon our life, to show us the good things and the good qualities of our life. And and they're not perfected, they're just beginning. And, And the Holy Spirit will help us to take those qualities that are loving and forgiving and kindness and moved with generosity, whatever they are, and we'll be able to use them. And whenever we use them, there will be difficulties that come to us. But those difficulties are not there to destroy us. They are there to promote us. So you see, that's why we got to forgive, because those things were to promote us, and they've just been chaining us down. But whenever I deal with them, they take me to another level. And that's our life. God is at work. He's hanging on to us. He wants us to see his character. And, we, and he wants to develop that quality of him, of his character, his love, uh, of his spirit. He wants that to be developed in us. And in so doing, we, we reflect the image of Jesus. So as we look at each other, we see different qualities and different characters of God. And that's why he says, yes, you've got to love your enemies, but he also tells us you must love each other. And in loving each other, we allow ourselves to be loved. Amen? Let's stand, shall we? <laughs> so, do we believe it? <laughs> Do we receive it? Do we think about it? So we, in this moment of time, we say, God, forgive me of my sins. Help me to forgive those who sinned against me. Help me, O oh God, to see your qualities that are already in me and that your Holy Spirit can take those qualities and develop them even further. Amen? God bless you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs>